0: And now, the disclaimer. The topics heard on Into Your Body is primarily meant for mature audiences and is not intended for younger or more sensitive listeners. The suggestions and opinions heard on this show does not necessarily represent the views of this station, its management, or their underwriters. These suggestions are not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or other malady. Discretion has been advised. And now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Into Your Body, the show that helps you get into your body so that you can get the best out of your life. I'm DJ and in the second part in our look to sex and disability. I’m back with editor activist Kella Hannah Wayne of Yapvoice.com. This time we talk about the limited representation in mainstream media as well as how that influences social and personal beliefs about how disabled people can have sex at all. We again talk about the importance of sex toys and how mindfully made sex toys make for an easier and better experience in the bedroom. Assume nothing about sex and disability. We learn more on episode 48 of Into Your Body. That's next, after this. Hi, this is DJ from Into Your Body, and I'd like to ask you one question. What's up with the lube you're using? Is your lube just not doing the job and making things worse? Well, friends, I'm here to let you know about Alucadabra. Live Well Incorporated out of Ventura, California, has invented what I myself like to call the best lube for the money. Any money. Aloe isn't just any Moisturization that glides and slides Aloe is made with 100% organic Aloe Vera, so it heals your body While nourishing those sensitive Areas, giving them their necessary Moisturization that's perfectly pH balanced for your body And everybody Aloe is petroleum-free, paraben-free, and contains no BS chemicals. It's 100% plant-based, so it's FDA and Oregon tilth-approved, meaning that it's safe to use for your safer sex needs. Other lube is for toys. For your body, only choose Aloe in eight organic flavors and scents. I happen to like pina colada. It's available at alocadabra.com, Find stores as well as from your friendly neighborhood, locally owned, queer-friendly pleasure shop, Allocadabra, naturally magic. And be sure to use the code AFBELL on Allocadabra.com so you can get 25% off of your first order on Allocadabra.com. That's A-F-B-E-L-L for your 25% off. Welcome back to Into Your Body, episode 48, the show that helps you get into your body so that you can get the best out of your life. I am DJ and you are listening to KEPWLPFM 97.3 FM and simulcasting on the World Wide Web at not one but two places, KEPW.org. And for those who like to listen later intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com for your podcast fans here. Thank you for coming back to the show and thank you for joining us for our second part of our topic, our conversation about sex and disability. I'm here yet again with Kella Hannah Wayne. She is a writer and activist and operates the website yapvoices.com
1: yapvoice.com
0: yapvoice yeah one voice not single voices but one voice
1: i mean it is a lot of voices but yes
0: (laughs) but coming together as one voice so it's yapvoice no plural.com kella hannah wayne welcome back thank you Thank you. So we were talking about sex and disability on mm-hmm. this on this two-parter series here. We left at the end of one thinking about what advice to give to people who are exploring their sexuality for the first time, mm-hmm. which leads me to one question. Exploring sexuality for the first time while disabled, mm-hmm. it is a veritable minefield. Mm-hmm. And it is something that having, you know, you you having that experience yourself knowing how to renegotiate and get reacquainted with your body. So my questions, my question, first question here is, what does someone who has acquired a disability and learning how to reacquaint their body would feel like? And how would that compare to someone who has, and this is a big stretch of a question, how would that compare to someone who has has lived with a disability much longer? What are the, some of the comparisons that you dealt with? What are some of the contrasts that are, that are in and of sexuality uh, of being sexual and sexuality and disability here.
1: Um, I think one of the biggest differences in um, coming into your sexuality if you've been uh, if you became disabled later in life as opposed to you've been disabled a long time, is you're more likely to have experienced sex as an able bodied person. And so that means that there's this big contrast of oh, I used to be able to do these things and I can't anymore, and there's a lot of grief around that usually, um, and that's you know that's something that that you have to go through of of letting go of what you used to be able to do and to stop comparing yourself to what you used to be able to do. Mm. I think that for um, for both groups, the the comparison is is a problem that, you know, that you compare what you can do to other people, to, to abled people of why can't I do that? And then another thing that they share is that disability lacks media representation for everything, but most of all sexuality, that there's very little media that explores disabled people being sexy and that being a thing. And, um, and so, And there's so much stigma against disability and you know if your disability causes you pain or if you have some kind of antagonistic relationship with your disability feeling sexy is so hard like having having the kind of relationship with your body where you're like yeah my body is awesome i want it to feel good if it's not feeling good if it's you know if it's causing you these problems that's really hard um and lacking that representation means that you, you know, you don't have a lot of ideas going in of what you should do instead, what it should look like. Um, And the the images that you get presented instead are, you know, you shouldn't be a sexual being, you should just shut down, you should not want things, or, you know, you are, you are ugly and useless and like, you know, all of these things. Yeah,
0: see, it's crazy that I see there's not just hardly any, but if there is some representation, it's always some sort of so are some sort of drama some Sturm und Drang behind <laughs> it. it's like well you know i want to go to the junior high school dance but who's going to love me for having a walker you know those right, things like yes, that yeah. and and even though those instances are real and those happen in real life mm-hmm. we don't uh, you're right I, I i'm just thinking about this there isn't enough of representation of disabled folks living regular lives yep. or trying to get through thing you're trying to get through you know the day to th- day, to day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently
1: I... watched um, uh, the musical Wicked again, and I yes. saw it 10 years ago um, before I was disabled, and I saw it again after I became disabled. Um, character Nessa Rose, which is Elphaba's sister, she's mm-hmm. um, she uh, uses a wheelchair. Um, watching that character now was way different, and she has that kind of plot of like, oh, no one would ever want to go to dance for me. Oh, and this, and this guy asks me, of course I have to go with him because he's the only person who will ever ask me. I was watching this, and I was going... This character was not written by a disabled person.
0: <laughs> there's certain things that you can tell. Yeah. Where you can say, "Wait, this isn't realistic. That isn't realistic." It's yeah. sort of like being the geek in the back of the theater shouting, "There's no sound in space." <laughs> there is sound in space. There's no sound in space. Yes. And disabled people don't act act like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, some there's there's no. As good as that musical is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite it's, musicals. Yes. I love it.
0: Yes, but I do, not to, diss, not to diss on that particular character, but it does reveal that there is a bit of darkness there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, who's going to love me for who I am, which actually outlines the whole
1: of the play. But yeah. that's another thing
0: altogether. Yeah. But but who's going to love me for who I am does outline what we're talking about here on yes. To Your Body here. Sex and Disability with Callahan and Wayne. And speaking of that, it's as far as like getting being romantic and mm-hmm. is and being romantic and being sexy. We talked about being sexy, but even getting to the point of even being seen as romantic, as mm-hmm. even being seen as that. You no, know, not much representation in media, not much representation Mm-mm. out there. Still that image of disabled folks have to be cared for and coddled and not being and not having and not being seen as sexual beings, mm-hmm. which is a very scary thing. And then, you know, a few voices are coming out. You know, we've got Shane over here. we got Andrew over here mm-hmm. coming out and saying that, you know, there is this, there is sex, there is beauty, there is love, there mm-hmm. is passion. It doesn't look like everybody else, but it does exist. What, what can, what can, what can you bring? What can, what can we do to help the folks that are able-bodied, you know, accept Sexuality from disabled folks.
1: I think that one um, of the really important things is just shifting our idea of what disability is altogether. Um, that I think that our culture does a really bad job of representing that, and um, and that you know, once I joined the disability community, my eyes were really opened to what you know what that can be, how that can be part of your identity, how that can be a positive thing. I think that most abled people are taught to consider disability as defined by something that you can't do or a lack of something. And so they tend to be really confused when disabled people are like, this is my identity, this is part of who I am. They're like, why would you want to identify as a lack of something? Why would you want to identify by something you can't do? That sounds super depressing. Yeah,
0: I remember when when Niall was on Dancing with the Stars, mm -hmm. uh, the the, the famous uh, deaf Mm supermodel very gorgeous very gorgeous very gorgeous man but i'm partial (laughs) but he but he expressed it thusly which which really affected my language to this day where it's Mm -hmm. like we don't see ourselves as lacking anything we just see ourselves as possessing a different skill set
1: and uh the way that i often think about it is you know being disabled moving through life you know you might go through a stage where you're thinking about yourself in terms of what you can't do But you can't think about that all the time because you're doing things like you, you know, you are moving through life, you are active in whatever capacity that you are. And what that requires of you in order to be functional is to adapt. Um, and so disabled people are really, really good at, um, at being adaptive, about being creative, being innovative, mm-hmm. um, at strategizing. And that's the part of disability that people identify with. They're like, these are the skills that I have that make me special. These are the things that I connect to and other people that are disabled. Um, and I think that being able to think of disability in that way, rather than the like, have a person, broke a person, broken person, dehumanizing thing that our culture teaches us just does so much that it helps humanize disabled people so much and understands them. So then you're not worrying about like, oh, I'm saying the wrong thing. Am I saying the PC thing? You're you're just like, oh, this is a person and this is the way that they're approaching life. The, these This is their outlook on things. Um and that is that's so much easier, I think, um, than feeling like you're like approaching a different species almost or something, or that you have to go in knowing exactly how to act and what to say and Mm -hmm. um and like, oh yeah, of course, I know exactly how to talk to a blind person. I'm not awkward at all. Mm -hmm. You know, um that people feel that that pressure to do that. And that's not the case because, you know, if you're just engaging with a person, if you're getting to know their personality that, you know, that's an engaging process that takes time, um, the way that you would anybody else.
0: You think they're just scared to, to, to deal with it. Do you think that just, some folks are just scared to deal with people who have like a different physical skills that saying that their arm doesn't work a certain way or their leg doesn't work a certain way, or they could be, you know, quadriplegic. And do you think that part of that not being able to s- see them as sexual being is part of that, that fear? Is that there some sort of fear that's there?
1: Yeah, I think that um, fear is a big part of it. I mean, you know, we could have a whole other discussion about why do people react negatively to oppressed groups? Because <laughs> yeah. that's the whole thing. Um, but I think that I, I do think based on my personal experience that there is an aspect of disability because it is the marginalization that anybody can become a member of at any time in their life, you know cross the road during a car accident whatever happens that can happen yeah that um that there is a fear I know that um uh I used to work as a cashier and I had to wear um braces on my wrists and my arm and you know they're dark black so they're pretty obvious Mm -hmm. um and people would ask me all the time about them and I noticed that people seemed like they wanted assurance that um that it helped me that it made me feel better like it seemed like they were scared of the idea that they could have this problem someday and they wanted to know that if they did there was something that could fix it you know there was something that would make it okay Um, and so I think that there is that that fear there of like I don't want to think about what it would be like if I had to do that I don't want to think about what um, what I would go through if I were disabled. Um, and, uh, and like that happens a lot when you talk to people that have pretty extensive disabilities, people go, oh, I don't, I don't know how you live your life. You know? you know, it
0: seems like, it seems like you just look at somebody. It's like, oh my God, if they turn this way, they might injure themselves. Oh goodness. Yeah. And thinking that that other person is made out of taffeta.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's this concept of they say, oh, I could never do that. I could never live like that life that way. And it's like, yeah, you could. Yeah, most, most people do.
0: <laughs> a lot of people and some, and and I bet you, I bet you a million bucks, that person talking to that other person is doing some sort of their life in a different way than what they've have done it before yeah. and just not thinking about it in yeah. that way and not saying like, "Oh, well, you know, ever since my foot went crazy, you know, I just do this instead of that." Well, right. there you go.
1: Or like, I'm short, so I need things to be on a lower shelf
0: okay big deal you know we don't but no one but no one comes up to anyone and says oh my god how can you live? You just, just readjust yeah and it's so crazy speaking about readjusting I noticed that you know disabled folks you know they're asked to adjust mm-hmm. a lot over and over again gotta adjust this gotta adjust that gotta adjust that and yeah. then coming into another place like hey make room for me mm-hmm. and then it's 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 like asking them to barn raise Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yep the um the Americans with Disabilities Act um I can't remember how long it's been in existence now 27 28 years I think about 30 years yeah and um and there you know a number of regulations in as part of that act in terms of accessibility of of buildings of like elevators and wheelchair ramps and all the different things um there are so many buildings like i would even hazard to guess the majority of buildings in the u.s that mm-hmm. don't follow the ada mm-hmm. and it's just that's just the thing that we do they're like oh we you know couldn't afford it and it's a historical building Meh. and <laughs> and like that it's it's like you've had 30 years like how have you not figured this out yet how have you not have you just decided like uh, I don't want disabled customers. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I want to take a break here. I want to come back in the second half and talk about the importance of sex toys, especially for those of us who have different skill sets. You are listening to Into Your Body. I'm I am DJ, and we're interviewing Callahanna Wayne. Uh, she is the editor and activist of Yop voice.com got it right this time Mm -hmm. voice.com and we will be back with more of into your body if you want to join the discussion please send us an email at into your body show at gmail.com we'll be back right after this This is KEPWLP 97.3 FM, broadcasting from Eugene, Oregon, and simulcasting at KEPW.org. If you'd like to support KEPW through donations or volunteering, you can fill out a volunteer form or make a tax-deductible donation on our website at KEPW.org. Or send a check to P.O. Box 11182, Eugene, Oregon 97440. Or call the station at 541 833 for more info. Also, as a reminder, if you'd like to join in on the conversation, if you have a comment, or if you have a suggestion for a future show of Into Your Body, please send an email into your body show at gmail.com. That's into your body show at gmail.com. And we're back with Into Your Body, episode 48. I'm here talking about sex and disability with Calla Hannah-Wayne of yopvoice.com. I want to touch, no pun intended, touch on sex toys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you now? I'm leaving this in. This is not a blooper. Nope. I wanted to touch on sex toys and how useful they can be for uh, disabled folks, and mm-hmm. I've uh, discussed about this at some length on a on a previous episode. A lot of times with people who are struggling with um, using their bodies in a different way, or working with, or learning how to use their bodies in mm-hmm. a different way, learning the importance of having sex toys in order to get to that reach that that efficiency and mm-hmm. being able to and being able to use that. I was wondering um, with. Disabled folks and sexuality and sex toys Where do you see the importance? I mean, I know that I know that I know that having sex toys is very important. How does that work with disabled people?
1: Um, I think there are two parts to this question Uh, one is that I think that um, disabled people would do well to consider sex toys um you know an accessibility device essentially um to think of it that way of like you don't have to struggle you don't have to do it the hard way like there you know if you have any kind of uh fine motor issues or like you know repetitive motions are difficult or you know or being able to reach that far sex toys can make a lot of difference for that um and i think that there's a lot of um people that are new to the disability community maybe because they just became disabled or maybe because they were in uh you know in a culture where disability was not you know not thought of as like yes you accommodated of course um that the idea of doing things a different way and finding the tools that work for you can be can be new and exciting and so i think thinking about sex toys that way is really awesome um the other part that i'll say for that is that there is just beginning to be a market for um i mean there's always been a market but they're starting to uh cater to the market of um, sex toys, specifically with disability in mind, um, and so you have toys that have uh, have a more easier grip on them, so that you know, so that if you have trouble gripping something, if you don't have super strong hands, that you know it's easier to to keep hold on to it, or that it has some kind of a hook so that you can hook it over the side of your hand rather than having to close your hand in order to hold it.
0: Those are convenient. I've seen some. Yeah. I've seen a lot of toys that have not just a hook, but that's a little. Uh, place to put your fingers in yeah Mm -hmm. if you're if you're using say uh um, say using a dildo or some some sort of other long Mm -hmm. cylindrical object Mm -hmm. of some 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 creation to be used
1: yeah um there's also uh some sex toys that are being built with particularly long handles so that you know you don't have to move your arm as far that kind of thing um so that's just beginning to happen now like that's pretty new Um, And so I would uh, I would encourage anyone who is in the sex toy business or is interested in getting into it um, to look into sex toys for disabled people to look into innovating that because the um, really the tagline for accessibility is that improving accessibility for disabled people makes things better for everyone that that any kind of ability is on on a spectrum for people and something that improves the quality of life for a disabled person is going to make it easier for an able person too. It might be in a different way. It might be in a way that you didn't anticipate, but it's going to improve the quality and the innovation for everyone.
0: I agree. That sounds, I, mean, I agree. Cause I, just how you put it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm convinced, but I, I mean, I've been convinced before that how easy they can be used and mm-hmm. how, how, how simple they how, how simple, and answers you know you you have these tools these tools actually exist but to call them accessibility tools that's a that's a new twist for Mm -hmm. me to call to actually have that it's again but that comes part of the play that we don't see disability as something sexual Mm -hmm. and something sexual that can be used by some by by disabled folks seeing a sex toy as an accessibility tool
1: yeah or just the idea of like Making sex easier for yourself, I don't think abled people have that idea you know of of that like how to make how to structure sex so that it is as good for you as possible. It's like that's a weirdly revolutionary idea it shouldn't be
0: yeah like <laughs> but it if, is if, if if you're redoing sex education mm-hmm. and you're and you're like, like like what you said you were doing right now mm-hmm. and you're making it a broader umbrella what what other things would you change about that?
1: hmm um it, sex education, um, I would definitely say including stuff about, about disability is, is important because that does not exist in sex education right now. Um, one of the things that I was really thinking about in terms of what um, the kind of communication that you're having with your partner, if your partner is disabled, if you're not experienced with that, is that disability comes in, an infinite amount of varieties. And so you are not going to know going in what it is that works and doesn't work. Um, and I think that something um, something that I wish that abled people would learn about disability in general is that um, the disabled person is the top authority on their body, on what their body can and can't do, and on what they do and do not want to do. Mm. And, um, and so that means if you're, uh, if you're having sex with a disabled person, that goes in both directions in terms of, uh, you know, if they say can't, they can't do a thing, they can't do a thing. And, you know, that's a boundary and you respect that. But also the other way of if you see that your disabled partner is having a hard time that day. Um, saying like, oh, no, you you know, you're not up for sex today. And like, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. Yep. Like, the, you know, like, oh, that's going to hurt you too much. That's also not okay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so I think that um, the idea of considering your partner, I mean, really, really regardless of ability, mm-hmm. but considering your partner, um, the authority on their body and understanding like they have a wealth of information for you about what, you know, about what works for them. And you can tap into that information source. You don't have to figure it out on your own. You can ask. You can ask these questions. You can learn as you go.
0: What a concept! Yeah. <laughs> what a concept! Actually, communicating with your partner and saying, "Like this
1: is what I like. Uh-huh.
0: This is what I need. Yeah. Touch me here. Touch. Don't touch me there. Yeah. Or this would work." I kind of, you know, what I often t- tend to think from time to time. Um, in a lot of and I and I'm wondering and I'm wondering if you think about this too would would discussing sex and sexuality about you know for 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 disabled people you know whatever whatever form that is do you think it would be easier if the conversation about sex and sexuality were just not just normalized for all groups but just and not just not on not on the other side where there's just a one size fits all mm-hmm. solution for, but basically come up to them with sort of like a smorgasbord. Like here's a variety mm-hmm. pack, mm-hmm. and this is what's available for you, mm-hmm. and this is what's off, and this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, mm-hmm. this is what consent looks like, this is what saying no looks like, this is what saying yes, this is what having fun and being com- I was I, w- I often think and i wonder if you think that being completely honest and just offering more Mm -hmm. options for this is what your sexual experience could be Mm -hmm. and this this it be do you think i mean would there be a a vast improvement you think would be more you want less what would you think what do you think that would look like
1: i think that that would be extremely helpful um i think that um everyone could benefit from approaching sex from a perspective of like no expectations you know of going in and finding out as you're there what it is that we're doing because your sexual relationship between a person you know that's it's never going to be the same thing twice it's always going to be different and um that also you know that also helps out other groups like like trans people and queer people because uh you know as i was talking about before abled people can rely on mainstream narratives about what sex is and what it looks like and what order you're supposed to do in things, and they can just kind of fake it using that information. Um, But queer people and trans people and disabled people, they do not have that. And so everything has to be from scratch. Everything has to be based in communication. Um, And I think that if we approached sex education and and your own self-learning about sexuality, from the perspective of like, there is no default, you know, there's lots of options for you. There's lots of options in the activities you can do, in the orders you can do, in the people that you do them, in the number of people that you do them with. You know, there's so many variations with that. And I think that that would be extremely beneficial to everyone, um, not just disabled people. Yeah.
0: All right. So, Kelly. I want to thank you for coming to our show. Yeah, thank uh, you so much, and uh, giving everyone who's listening such valuable information, valuable insights. Mm -hmm. Um, I normally talk throughout the episodes, but this time I decided to take a step back (laughs) because I know I talked about the subject before, and it was good to have your insights and opinions on here. Uh, Before I let you go, I just want to ask one question. I think this may be a standard question um, for all my future guests and that is and I asked this pretty much a similar question to uh to Lucy mm-hmm. to Fur in a previous episode what do you think would be necessary to make sexual education more accessible to everyone and more honest to everybody
1: that sounds like uh pretty big structural overhaul because <laughs> um, you've got um you've got social shame and stigma just against sex and against the idea of educating people about sex um and you've got where do people learn it do they learn it in school do they learn it online because the the way that you get the information to people, you know, if you're trying to get that through school, that's a way bigger overhaul in order to get, you know, the curriculum consistent against, you know, and uh, states rights and the laws in various places like that's a huge project. Um and um, so I do think that like the future of sex education and um, and the um, the current progress of sex education is online um, is so, you know, whatever age you are, you can look and and find stuff out. And so I think that probably the um, the best thing for that is to, um, you know, having that having that be a normal thing that there are educational sites devoted devoted to teaching sexuality in that kind of inclusive and widespread way um, and also having it normal that um, if you don't know that that you can look that up that, that you know that, that's something that there are resources available to you you know we we pull out our phones and we Google like what was the capital of Germany again I can't remember you know whatever like you can do that for sex too and there's really good information out there about it um, and so I think um, having the perspective that you don't have to know everything about sex before before you start it um and that there is information to be had and that you can seek it out um is a pretty pretty big start in um in making that happen
0: thank you very much kella thank you that's some awesome stuff. Thank you for being on the show. And if you want to reach out to Kella, you can check out the website that she curates and edits yapvoice.com. Uh she is also available on social media at all the typical social media spots under her name Kella Hannah Wayne K E L L A H A N N A W A Y N E. There's too many doubles in there. (laughs) There are a lot of doubles
1: (laughs) in my names.
0: (laughs) But if you want to find out the information, I do have that. I will have that posted up on my website at intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com. And if you want to get in touch with Into Your Body, the podcast, please do so. By visiting us online at intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com, you can listen to the show live there, and you can also download and subscribe to any of the podcast episodes. There are now 48 to pick from, and you can, if you want to, subscribe and listen to them anywhere and everywhere. Podcasts are being heard as of right now. That means I don't have to give you the list anymore. If you have a favorite podcast listening device, just go to it, look for Into Your Body, and it will be there. Also, please send us an email, show at gmail.com. If you want to join in on a conversation, have a question, have a comment, or an idea for a future show. We never run out of ideas, but more is always available, and we thank you for that. This show is copyright 2019, DJB Sundress Productions. Into Your Body is a great show, and it's great radio Please keep listening at intoyourbody.buzzsprout.com and listening live at KEPWLP 97.3 FM in Eugene. Show's over. See you at the next one. Enjoy yourself and don't forget to masturbate. Bye-bye.